Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Rain City Bunker. My name is Greg Moon. I'm here with my friend and co-host Andy Brown. Hello. And uh, gosh, it's only been a month, Andy. Yeah, I, I think we, we, <laughs> we're we getting this one out a little bit uh, on the heels of the other one, which is what we always intended to do. Yeah, and um, we have a new bunker we're using. <laughs> and the bunker's kind of in between Andy's place and my place. Yes, as always, the bunker is a state of mind as well as a location. But this bunker is windowless, which helps the, the uh, bunker mentality. Right? True, true. So it's a windowless bunker, and I think the acoustics are pretty good. So yeah, not we bad. So we don't echo too much. We've been working on the acoustics the whole time, but yeah. um, uh, that's just kind of part of the podcasting thing. You know, there's there's lots of moving parts with these. It's a very complicated uh, uh, thing, podcasting. That's true. Um <laughs> I, you know, one of the the we got a digital recorder, which was one of the best additions before we were recording directly onto my computer, which um, yeah, it was it was your Macintosh. Yeah, my Mac, and was it called Radio Studio or um, Garage Garage Band that comes with the the Mac? And uh, I used a Radio Shack mixer and stuff. But I think one of the last times I used it uh, was in another podcast I was doing. It started picking up radio. <laughs> a radio station or something, and yeah, I'd, I think just because it wasn't grounded. Yeah. Yeah. And Andy, you got this as kind of like a gift, and this is a very nice audio recorder. Yeah. You've had this over yeah. a year now. I yeah, that's true. It works great. Yeah, and I bought my own. I do sometimes for my other podcasts myself, but it's not as nice as this one. Yeah. So we use this one, and this one we can actually hook microphones into, which is cool. Yeah. So we each have our own microphone. At one point, we shared microphones, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're slowly, but surely getting a little bit more sophisticated with the audio technology. Today is Black Friday. Yes. Did you go shopping? I did not. Yeah, I, I, I didn't either. I don't think I've ever gone shopping on Black Friday. It sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. They call it Black Friday because retail uh, outlets get into the black. Right. Right. They're no longer running behind. They're ahead of the game. They make a little profit. Right. So right, they right. call it Black Friday. But I guess The Onion had a story today that Black Friday claimed 80 million casualties. <laughs> yeah, Well, you know, <laughs> we can laugh, but I've been noticing over the I'm, I'm sure this has been happening for a while, but over the last several years, uh, you hear stories about people getting getting killed or hurt and stampedes to go. Get, it just, it's just not worth it to me Yeah, to I, save, like, you know, however much money, it's just not worth it to me. I would pay to avoid something like that. Oh, yeah. And I think today was fairly mild. I think um, someone got shot in the leg. I, I don't think they died. And then this, this I, I saw this on the scroll on one of the news channels was uh, one woman spit at another woman and her child oh, that's and nice. called her terrible names. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, it's barely get shot in the head. Right? Yeah, true, true. For an Xbox <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it was some crazy deal. Some big, like, 32-inch TV was on right. sale for, like, 20 bucks or something. Right, right. Crazy. So, anyway, luckily, uh, we're not into that I, kind of level of... Uh, let me ask you, Greg. I know you, you have a extended family that you celebrate the holidays with and everything. I'm more, more and more... Maybe it's just a condition of getting older, but I don't really care about getting anything. I, you know what I mean? It's It's not that... I don't think I've actually gotten that worked up about receiving gifts since i was a kid and um i don't know i i just enjoy the time for the season yeah oh yeah definitely me too and you know i am blessed with a big extended family um and so when we get together and you joined us yeah 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 they did they have they always do food i think that's a way to do it you you get a bunch of people together you have food and you know some booze flowing yeah just some conversation and some uh Friendly banter, yeah, and um, 
and my parents up until recently, I mean, you know, I'm getting older. Yeah. They 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 showered us with gifts. It was crazy. Yeah. And yeah. I and I told them at one point, this is insane. You yeah. guys don't need to do this. And, yeah. yeah. And you know, actually I know my mom this year was like, "Oh, I feel bad." I'm just please. You know, my thing is is like anything I want is either so inexpensive it seems silly for somebody to get it and particularly send it through the mail or whatever, or it's so expensive that I'm not going to ask anybody to get it for me. Right. Like you, know? you probably want maybe a new video camera, like $2,000. Yeah. $2, yeah. And that's, yeah. 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 That's exactly. Not, yeah. Unless you're in a wealthy family, that's something no, you, not, you ask for. No, I'm not going to do that. So, um, yeah, no, I think you're right. And, you know, I guess it's kind of um, cliche, but it's really friends, family, food, right. a couple drinks, if you're so inclined, yeah. and just the camaraderie, the warmth, the yeah. being together as the winter. And much like, much like um, Halloween, I kind of appreciate that that kind of almost um, you know sort of apologies to Greg, but that almost kind of like pagan holiday like you know solstice type. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, pretty mean, close to it, right? Isn't Christmas pretty close yeah. to the winter solstice? And I don't know the history is a little murky, but right. the, one of the things is that the Roman pagans did have a mid or a first day of winter. Yeah. Uh, celebration and the Christians had nothing to do. Everyone had a couple of days off, and right. somehow they decided to start celebrating the birth of Christ at the same time. So oh, right. I don't think there's a lot of argument that there's lots of aspects right, of Christmas right. that are, you yeah. know, the the sum, it, it's the winter solstice, so it's the shortest day of the year. Yeah, and so, you can totally see why. And I, I think this kind of stuff is important. I was just talking to a friend of mine who's um, uh, Jewish, and you know, he's talking about Hanukkah and how it's not really that big of a deal, you know, to uh, in. In Judaism, Hanukkah is not really a big holiday, but, you know, they they kind of uh, pumped it up for Jewish kids who have to see all their friends get Christmas presents and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It became bigger than it was originally intended to be. Um, but, you know, what I was explaining to him as, uh, you know, somebody who doesn't practice any particular religion, that I like that there's, like, kind of feast-type qualities. There's celebration mm-hmm. uh aspect to this time of year there's a lot of you know artificial lighting and candles and mm-hmm. also there's a lot of stuff about lights because we're really and really heading into kind of you're going to be in dark for a while oh, yeah. you're going to be in cold for a while and i definitely you know particularly uh, ancient times or you know in far history or long ago history you can see or maybe not even that long ago you can see why people would be like, let's have a party because uh, let's eat up the food that's going to go bad if we just let it sit around, you know, and have a party and stoke the fires and everything because it's going to be a little while before we're back. Into yeah, you can only spring. be hunkered down in the cold cabin yeah. for so long. You yeah. got to get together and, yeah. and and celebrate and have lights and stuff. Um, I'd put my lights up today. Oh, cool. Put up some Excellent. lights. And you might <laughs> probably get a bit of a kick out of this last year, I dug up some old lights that my parents had. <laughs> so I have some 1970s lights. Oh, out. those things are horrible. Oh, they're terrible. In <laughs> fact, one blew up in my face. Kind oh, of. Oh my god! But I survived, and my cousin had warned me. My cousin's staying with me. But I figured there's just something about those 70s lights that I gotta. So the memory, the memory. It's the memory, and there's something different about the quality. Were they the big the chunky big ones? Bulbs. Yeah, 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 the big chunky ones. Yeah. So I used up almost all the spare bulbs this year. So yeah. this might be the last year of using the 70s lights, it, yeah. and I'll have to just. Bite and the those bulb. are the ones like I think modern Christmas lights. Like if one of them goes out, you're not just screwed. Like there's, I seem to remember there was like, if one went out, first off you'd have to do a little bit of. Uh, uh, logic 
uh, you'd have to analysis. test each one. Or something. Yeah, you'd have to kind of test it to see where it was in the circuit that it was yeah. out. Then you'd have to replace it. But and, the good yeah. news with this string, maybe this yeah. was advanced seventies, right? But lights can go out and it still stays on. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. interesting. That in fact, be, my yeah. new ones give me more trouble. Yeah, like my new really? strings that have the little LEDs, they go out, and I don't know why. And I try to there's like a controller bulb. Yeah, and I try to swap it, nothing happens. So really? Okay. It, the the seventies ones are easier. So that tradition remains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, but no, it's exactly what you're saying though. Yeah. It's uh, the solstice is typically December 21st, shortest day of the year, first day of winter. Right. So, yeah, I, I think it's just a natural human tendency to want to, you know, deal yeah. with that. It's a difficult time, sort yeah. of, right? It's yeah. kind of depressing. There's not much daylight okay, yeah. and a lot of darkness. Yeah. So uh, we get together and celebrate and yeah. for, you know. And, yeah, I mean, what you said, like I said, was totally true. The pagan aspects of Christmas, the Christmas tree, that yeah. symbolizes life. Right, right. Uh, Reese. All that sort of thing. Santa is kind of a hybrid. Santa's uh, yeah, kind of, he's yeah. based on what they think is a real Christian saint, but right, he's become right. kind of secularized. And, right, right, right. And uh, what, else, what else is a pagan tradition of Christmas? Oh, gosh. Holly. Um, yeah, I think the holly is. is, is um, trees. And like I said, just having a festival at a at time, that time or, of around year. a time yeah. around a solstice. Is, yeah. 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 So, and very similar to Easter. Yeah. Easter combines religious and, and pagan elements. Yeah. So anyway, it's Christmas time. So, I don't. Gosh. So we... something you you were going to talk about a story that it almost seems like, you know, when I was a kid, I remember there were they would have, uh, uh, like sad or almost kind of dark stories, um, from the holiday. You know, Halloween for me as a kid always kind of extended through to Christmas. You know, just being in the dark and everything like that, and. You were going to talk about. It. I don't want to. I don't want to steal it. So why don't you tell them what you're going to talk about? Yeah. Well, uh, just I think it was this week. I saw a story about a uh, island in New York City that is used as a potter's field. Yeah. And Which a is pot- a generic term for 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 a cemetery. And yeah. and you know I I was talking to Andy before the podcast about this. I I wasn't really aware of these kind of things. Uh, but these kind of things are for poor people, uh, unclaimed bodies, all yeah. this kind of stuff. So I, I'll read a few paragraphs from this. It's, it's, I, I found it really intriguing. Before you do, though, you know, the whole idea of Potter's. I think Potter's Field is specifically meant for, yeah, poor and unidentified people who die. Right. And I, I could be wrong, but I almost think it's mentioned in um, The Christmas Carol of where Tiny Tim might oh. end up is in the Potter's Field oh. because he's so poor oh, okay. and stuff. So I think that's why it had a weird kind of sad or dark kind of Christmas connotation to it for me. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. I go ahead. Um and, and you know, and we're not too far from Halloween, about a month from Halloween. So this this probably would have been a little bit more appropriate for our Halloween episode, but it's it, this is interesting. So I'm going to read a few paragraphs here. Heart Island does not appear on the MTA subway map or the Department of Transportation's bicycling maps. The AAA map, AAA map in my car shows a blue dotted line of a public ferry from City Island to Hart Island, but the ferry closed to the public in 1976. Panorama, the room-shaped Robert Moses commissioned sculpture at the Queens Museum of Art, which displays every street in nearly every building in New York, excludes the island entirely. Hart Island can be found on Google Maps, which labels the northern half of the island Pottersfield, a term commonly used to refer to a place where unknown or unclaimed bodies are buried. The location is no longer accurate, and the name never was. 
When the city bought Hart Island for $75,000 in 1868, the new potter's field was set on 45 acres at the island's northern tip. Administration was handed over to what was then called the Department of Charities and Correction, which operated a prison and a technical school for delinquent, delinquent boys on the island. Inmates were given the job of burying the dead, a practice that continues to this day. The Department of Correction estimates that more than 850,000 people are now buried on Hart Island, noting the actual number may be somewhere between 750,000 and a million. The standard devia- deviation is a jarring is that jarring when you think about it. Um, and one last thing here. In the last few years, the cemetery, the old cemetery filled up, so the burials moved to the Hart Island south side. In 2010, there were 695 adults and 504 babies buried there. Four days a week, prisoners from Rikers Island lay plain pine boxes into mass graves. In the adult grave, coffins are stacked three high. It will be filled with between 150 and 165 bodies, depending on the number of extra wide coffins. Plus separate coffins for body parts, and it's all covered in 36 inches of dirt. The other grave for fetuses and stillborns will be loaded with 1,000 miniature coffins buried five deep. Both trenches are already open, dug by yellow caterpillar backhoe. And I just wanted to say this one thing, one more thing. Um, The first recorded burial was in April 20th, 1869. Since then, Hearts Island's dead have included victims of yellow and typhoid fever, veterans who died in Veteran Administration Hospital, whose names were known and should have been buried in individuals' graves at the uh, National Cemetery. So anyway, I just... That's just kind of a quick overview, of, um, and I'll post the link as usual. Yeah, but Andy wasn't as intrigued as I was. But to <laughs> me, it's kind of astounding that there's a a cemetery in New York City for people that are basically kind of like unclaimed or yeah. poor, or and then the babies. That's very sad, yeah. obviously the fetuses. Well, but up to a million. I, you know, I think given enough time, all of us are the the forgotten dead. Um, <laughs> But the, the, you know, when that always strikes me as very sad, like when there's um, uh, Connecticut had a mystery up until fairly recently. I think they found out who this was, but there was a infamous um, circus fire in the 1940s or 50s. I'm doing this without looking up the the info in which a bunch of people died. It was a a circus. I think it was Barnum and Bailey Circus and it was Mm -hmm. in Hartford and. Um, it was infamous in Connecticut where mm-hmm. I was from, so you'd hear about it. And um, uh, the tent caught on fire for some reason. Um, you know, a bunch of people fled, but also a bunch of people died. And there was this one body of this little girl who I, I remember even seeing pictures of it because her face was not – I think she died from smoke inhalation. Mm-hmm. So her, her face was preserved, intact. intact. She just looked like a little girl who was – asleep right and they never i don't think they identified who she was until like the 1990s or something um uh and and they called i mean think of the newspapers called her uh little miss nobody or yeah you know and and i don't know that's that to me is tremendously sad it's like uh, when you when somebody dies and there's just basically no one i wonder if her parents died in that I think, they couldn't claim her. I think it was something like that, or the parents or the survivors thought that her body was another body or something. Uh, I encourage people to look it up. It's yeah. uh, you just look up Hartford Circus Fire, you'll mm-hmm. find it. Um, but the 
and, and you know, and I, I'm also reminded of a story, I, a news story of like this old woman who had died in her apartment, and she was there for something like three years or something. No way. And I forget how they found like usually the odor gives it away after yeah, a few weeks. Yeah, but uh, you know, and it's just like really somebody did for three years and nobody yeah. nobody knew. I mean, I just I hope. N- any everybody listening and you know myself and everything i hope that doesn't happen to anybody i know but uh um yeah and you yeah. mentioned something you watched a uh show featuring mike tyson and he oh, mentioned yeah. this yeah um uh on hbo uh mike tyson they've been showing this um mike tyson like spoken word thing where he talks about his life and so forth and so on and uh, anybody who knows anything about mike tyson knows he had <laughs> not the the best uh, childhood. And during the part where he talks about his um, mother, uh, he says that she was, she was terrified that she was going to die and end up in this potter's field. And that when he, um, when he became wealthy enough, he bought her a really nice uh, plot in a, in a nice cemetery and, and made sure that she was buried there. But so it's, you know, it was a concern to her that she would end up, in yeah. this Potter's Field that we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it just kind of a kind yeah. of would fit well with our Halloween episode. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But this was so intriguing to yeah. me that I, I insisted we talk about it. And just yeah. in New York's a big city, with yeah. eight million people with a lot of history. Too. Yeah, it's yeah. been there. For, you know, this this uh, cemetery, 150 years. So, yeah. Uh, filled up. So what's that per year? Like that's like 70,000 people a year. Yeah. Something I'll like bet. That. You know, of course we didn't we didn't do this ahead of time, but I'll bet most large cities that are old enough probably have some version of a potter's field. Yeah. I don't know about Seattle, but yeah, we could, we could I always check it out. I don't think Seattle yeah. does. So, okay. Because I'm pretty familiar. You know, I've yeah. lived here my whole life, and I, I like geography, you know. Yeah. So there might be some hidden thing like that. But my guess is if they do that here, it's uh, in the one of the existing cemeteries. Right. Um, and we were also, Greg and I were also talking about, like, I'm totally fine the idea of, of having your body be buried and stick around and kind of decay. Um, and we were both of the opinion that it's cremation is the, is the way to go for me. Yeah, and, you know, I, I'm not against people that want to be buried. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm still, you know, I don't have a will right now. So, But I think for some reason it seems more tidy yeah. to get burned yeah and you're well, making making way for the people who are alive too you yeah know? cemeteries can take like well this this cemetery was 45 acres right yeah. so it filled up 45 acres that's a lot yeah. of homes yeah you know you can put a lot of homes on 45 acres but uh how creepy to be in that that boys reformatory school uh, like <laughs> did it, I, it wasn't really clear but it almost sounds like they made the prisoners and the boys like bury yeah, the bodies. they might have helped out too and i'm just imagining like can you imagine that's that's your what your <laughs> your reformatory cell is next to is like right out the window is the Big cemetery uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so and, and but you know we also talked briefly about that there's criti- jewish mainly but also christian tradition of burying the body and yeah you know it's a tradition i you know i don't and, know if and, it's uh, a muslim, commandment muslim too the body oh, has to be washed and buried and stuff. Yeah. i'm not sure it's a commandment in, yeah. in, in those religions but that's yeah. the tradition and, right but yeah it just seems like man that takes space and what why do you need your body anymore right you're done you're you're either going to go somewhere else or right. you're or you don't need it whatever yeah so it's kind of hard to uh, and besides when the it. zombie comet comes around i don't want my body getting up and you know going <laughs> or, around biting people or if Frankenstein digs you up. Yeah, uh, I know. some future Jeez. Frankenstein digs you up and reanimates <laughs> you. You know, 
<laughs> so that was kind of an interesting story I, I, I thought we should talk about. Uh, we had another – Andy's really good at digging up these interesting stories. He dug up a story about cartography, a contest sort of. Did you have something? Um, How you want to – Well, yeah. It's it's a little bit weirder than that. It's um, the I got the story from the Telegraph um, newspaper or online, their online version. Um, and the title of uh, their story is The Internet Mystery That Has the World Baffled. And uh, basically, I'll, instead of kind of reading the story, I might pick out a thing here or there. But what it is is these you know people on the Internet um, eventually stumbled across this picture. And it's of a, a moth or a cicada which is a you know moth type insect. Mm-hmm. Um, most commonly known what it looks like if you're wondering is it looks like um, if you remember the posters for Silence of the Lambs uh, that was like a, that was a cicada it was supposed to be a specific type of cicada but um, people looking at this picture began to realize that um, uh, well here's what it said when they found it or when people came across this picture it's uh, there was some text let's see There's a message on an internet forum and it said, hello, we are looking for highly intelligent individuals. To find them, we have devised a test. There is a message hidden in this image. Find it and it will lead you on the road to finding us. We look forward to meeting the few that will make it all the way through. Good luck. And uh, the message was signed 3301, which was part of the first clue uh, and led people on the path to discovering more about this. And the article follows this guy, um, Joel Erickson from Uppsala, Sweden, you know, and he's a guy who's in it security and was really interested in this. And he just kept getting in deeper and deeper as did other people. And it really seems like it's a sophisticated puzzle. And um, so sophisticated uh, that people began to wonder, is it, a group like the NSA or the CIA looking to recruit people into their, you know, into working in, in cryptography or something. And that wouldn't be unprecedented during World War II, um, particularly in the British code-breaking um, uh, world. Bletchley Park is where they were based. They would find people who were really talented at crossword puzzles. I don't know how that translates, but I, I guess it does. I'm not a big crossword puzzle. Pe- I'm not a big puzzle person period but i am intrigued by the idea of mysteries and puzzles um but they would they would find people who are really good at crosswords and they would recruit them into um bletchley park and which was uh tasked with breaking the codes of the germans and the japanese now what's interesting though is this seems to go in a different direction um i one, I don't think I would automatically say, me, just reading the story, I don't think I would automatically say that it was the NSA or CIA, because they have... Well, di- um, maybe you should kind of flesh it out a little bit. They, they follow this guy from Sweden, right? And right. he goes down the rabbit hole, so to speak, right? He solves puzzle after he puzzle. He solves, solves puzzle after, pu- after puzzle. There's a couple of dead ends. In fact, the first thing that he solves, he thinks, oh, I got it real easy. It takes him to, like, a whoops, he went round, down the wrong path, and it had a picture of, like, a rabbit or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, as, but this guy sounds really bright. I mean, he solved, he ended up solving all the puzzles. Yeah. All the way. But (laughs) yeah, but 
but what other people who were solving it as well, they were uh, theorizing that, oh, this is a big promotion. Because that has been done before, too. Like, Microsoft has done kind of puzzles as promotion and so forth. But it, it eventually went into um, Tor, which is also known, uh, which I think stands for the Onion Router, hmm. which is uh, takes you into the dark net, which is a very sinister way of saying the part of the internet that's kind of encrypted and secret and it's used by uh most recently what people might know uh know it from is that's where um the silk road website was mm, yeah i think i recently that? read the silk road it, isn't it kind of a website i, I you can basically buy buy anything in the yeah like an ebay for underground things like like drugs, drugs or weapons or whatever and they recently busted the guy from that and broke that but i've heard there's another version of it on, mm-hmm. you know um so it and a lot of people think you know a company wouldn't take you into that and there were further puzzles in the in the dark net and um and then some of the clues and allusions are to things like science fiction and occult references. That's one thing that I found particularly interesting. There's references to uh, Aleister Crowley. That guy always pops up in strange places. Um, so some people were thinking that maybe it has to do with Anonymous, that maybe Anonymous right. is looking and for that's recruits. that's a famous hacker The hacker group. group. Um, oh, go ahead. And the guy, the guy featured in the story solved all the puzzles, but... By the time he solved it, they said we've already found our right. T- they didn't even give a number, I don't think, yeah. but like they're looking like just for a handful, a handful of, people of people that could do it the it. fastest, right. or whatever. So it, it could be anything, and there was a lot of yeah. conjecture, like like you're saying, Andy, the uh, the hacker anonymous yeah. group, uh, what the uh, Silk Road type, yeah, thing. people people for nefarious ends, or um, CIA, NSA, or you had suggested the. Uh, you'd heard or, or conjectured maybe some secret society thing. Right. You know, that's, uh, you know, of course that sounds very, um, uh, I'll just give you some, uh, you know, they had a William Gibson reference. who's a science fiction writer. Uh, now what I found particularly fascinating and once again, it may just be part of the myth that's building up around this. Um, but, uh, one long this you know uh, one long cautionary diatribe. I'm reading from the article now. One long cautionary diatribe left anonymously on the website Pastebin claimed to be from an uh, ex Chicada. That's what the group is calling itself, or what people are calling it. An ex Chicada member, a non English military officer recruited to the organization quote by a superior unquote. Chicada, he said, was a left hand path religion. Now. People might not know what that is, but in the occult world, left-hand path tends to mean things that are more sinister, more diabolical, more satanic, right? Um, So left-hand path religion disguised as a progressive scientific organization comprised of, quote, military officers, diplomats, and academics who are dissatisfied with the direction of the world, unquote. Their plan, the writer claimed, was to transform humanity into Nietzschean ubermensch. Um, yeah, it's pretty far. Can you explain fetched. that that term? Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, his idea of the Ubermensch, which literally translated means Superman, Supermen, um, uh, kind of a influential in the Nazi, uh, the Nazi philosophy of the Ubermensch. I think they called it the same thing. Um, in other words, a people or men. And they probably do mean gender-wise men who are better than the rest of us. Superior. Right. And that's what a lot of these 
groups that we hear about presumably would be composed of, right? Right. People who either have a lot of money or a lot of brains or, right. or both. Or... Right. And, you know, I mean, for me, well, oh, then this is the guy further says, quote, this is a dangerous organization, he concluded. Their ways are nefarious. Um, so I, one thing for sure, one of the, one of the things they've done too um, is they've put clues in, in what you, you know, you might say in the science fiction world, meat space. In other words, it's not all online. There've been like posters and stickers and yeah, I, I think when, when they, that, they're describing the puzzle he was solving, some of those things were in the real world, right? Right, one was, in Seattle, actually. Oh. They said uh, that things showed up in Tokyo, Seattle. Oh. So I think it would be possible for one person to do this, but I think whatever this is, even if it is kind of like, not necessarily a prank or a hoax, but kind of a, I'd almost look at it as a performance piece by some very smart people, um, it's got to be more than one. I think it might be sure. more than yeah. – I think it has to be more Or than one, one person with a lot of resources. Yeah, one person with a lot of resources. To, to do it in those different um, cities. And uh, did we mention the possibility it could be something – well, you did mention it could be Microsoft or Google or Amazon. Right, a promotional thing. Facebook, but I think they're – Looking the, for super smart people for right. certain things. But I think the diversion of going into these quasi-legal spaces or, or things that are kind of frowned upon by – now, is, are those places where some of the clues were? Like yes. the Silk Road? Yeah, yeah. Well, so you, no, not Silk or, Road, but... Uh, things like Tor, that. Tor, which is the the way to... The, kind of the dark yeah. end of the side of the internet. Yeah. Now, this I found kind of chilling, if it is true, kind of chilling or intriguing or both. Um, you know, uh, they were talking about something, people following it into the darknet. Um, another select group of first solvers have been accepted into a new private puzzle puzzle. This is people claiming this, right? Um, this time say reports a kind of Myers Briggs multiple choice personality test. Oh. So in other words, they're testing the, if it's true, right. They're testing. So, so these are the people who have solved it. Now right. they're trying to evaluate where they are on the psychological, psychological spectrum. spectrum. Right. And, um, now when I read this, one of the reasons I really was intrigued by it and I liked it, uh, and they, they conclude with saying the guy who they kind of followed through, he, he got to it a little bit too late. Um, and then his quote, which I think is interesting. Uh, but still, we are no closer to knowing the source or fundamental purpose of Chiquita 3301. And this is the guy Erickson. Quote, that's the beauty of it, though, says Erickson. It's impossible to know for sure until you've solved it all. That is why for him and thousands of other hooked enthusiasts, enthusiasts january 4th 2014 is so important that's when the next set of riddles is due to begin again like a new set a new set yeah uh -huh. quote maybe all will be revealed then he grins but somehow i doubt it so it could it could just be a massive puzzle by somebody um it's not like that hasn't been done before uh there uh it reminded me a lot of um there was a guy a writer uh, uh robert anton wilson and he and a buddy I won't say – let's just say it. they they created a thing they called Operation Mind F, but <laughs> mind – you fill in the blank, um, where they planted – they were in a position – I think Robert Anton Wilson worked for Playboy at the time. So they were in a position to kind of plant stories and things, particularly about the Illuminati. Um, so a lot of the stuff that people think about the Illuminati now, which is in the conspiracy world – um, really comes from Robert Anton Wilson and his buddy. 
Uh, but one of the things he noticed, he noted, and this is kind of was intentional on their part, is they wanted it to have a life of its own. And I kind of wonder if this sort of thing, uh, the, whoever started it, because once it becomes publicized, we're talking about it, right? right? Um, it, the temptation is going to be for people to put their own sort of aspect of this out there, claiming to be part of this group. And how would you know? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, there's no way to evaluate it because it's so right? secret. Right? So there could be a lot of dead ends. And, and this is there is a certain kind of I'm too lazy for it. I'm not sure I'm smart enough for it. But there is a sort of mind that just really gloms onto this sort of yeah. thing. And, it, you know, what it kind of appealed to me in a way about the story was, you know, this kind of goes down with software and I write software. Right. And, but, you know, I, I'm a good software writer, I think. But I think the hackers and these kind of cryptography guys and puzzle guys, they, I think they're beyond me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not too proud to say that. I wish I were that smart. And I can figure out lots of little things that software requires. But some of the, the cryptography is so complex. Right. And it, it, you really have to be attracted to these, uh, just the challenge of solving these puzzles. Right, right, right. And, uh, you know, I, I use my software powers to try to make a living. So, yeah. I, yeah. you know, I guess some super smart guys, they just have time to make a living and do this. But now, that's, not, that's not me. I will say that I, I, I'm a little turned off by the elitism of it. You know, this kind of like, if you, if you don't make it, you're part of the great unwashed and you're not really of value. There seems to be a little bit of that thread to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also can say, you know, I think it, it, I think it's such a, the idea of being someone special and being kind of recruited. It's, it's a strong thread in a lot of our, our myths and stories. Um, I mean, right. I'm getting the it. matrix. The that ma- comes the mind. The matrix. He's the one, the one, right. The matrix. Um, and then I'm going to hit one that of course, we always seem to go to Star Wars. I mean, what is Luke Skywalker? Luke Skywalker is basically a bored teenager who can't stand to be on the farm one more day. Right. And then all of a sudden he's told, no, you're really special, Luke. You know, (laughs) in fact, you're the last of one of the Jedis. You know, what is Harry Potter? Harry Potter is this poor kid who's stuck with these awful relatives. And he's told, like, you're a wizard. You know, come to this wizardry school and you're special. You're a special <laughs> wizard. You know, and, and I, think that's, I think that's a strong pull to people is, like, the idea of, like, no, 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 no. You're not boring. Your life doesn't, is, isn't meaningless. You're actually special. You know, you know, and I think that's why it's such, as a story arc, I think that's why it's really compelling and why I think something like this can really draw people in. Because they want to prove that they're they're special, they're Charlie of Charlie yeah. and the Chocolate Factory. Well, basically, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, a bit of an aside, but last night I watched The Breakfast Club from 1985. Okay, and if you I'm, recall, I'm curious to see where this goes. Well, uh, the Michael Anthony Hall is he the kind of the geeky kid? Yeah. Well, in in and then also Emilio Estevez's character. Both those guys were talking about how much pressure they had from their parents to be special, right? The, the the Anthony Hall kid to get straight A's and the Emilio Estevez and he freaked character. out if I remember right he freaked out because he screwed up a shop project right he couldn't, he couldn't exactly. do it exactly and yeah. then Emilio Estevez was under all this pressure from his dad to be a champion yeah so uh, I'm not sure I was going with that but it's just the idea that you need to be special or right. or, or you know right and, and you're maybe all that's... you're all special. <laughs> And, you know, I don't know, is that a deep human desire to be unique and special? I think so. And I, and I also think, like, to find the importance in your 
uh, your life. I mean, what um, oh, his name escapes me right now, but the, um, the Joe Joseph Campbell. I mean, you know, that's all of what he was talking about is like the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. And that we all his idea is that we all face the hero's journey and um, that it's kind of an archetypal primal thing within all of us. Um, And I can see the, I mean, it makes sense why there's an attraction. I mean, like I said, you know, the idea that you're special and so forth and so on, but that that can also go in a very, you know, negative way as well. You know, uh, where if you get a bunch of people together who think they're, better than everybody else they start making decisions for all of us you know what i mean or thinking they should make decisions for all of us um but in some ways i think that that can lead to its own defeat you know uh but the other thing that's intriguing to me about this is the idea of secret societies right Mm -hmm. we're also not too far away from the um the anniversary the 50th anniversary of uh the assassination of jfk yeah it was the the other day it was november 22nd (laughs) yeah just uh, yeah, about a week ago, and um, you know, uh, you know, there's always you know of all there's all sorts of conspiracy th- theories surrounding that, and you'll hear, I mean, the really far out ones. I'll talk about the Masons being involved in that kind of thing, and I was going to say, you know, a lot of a lot of that stuff being kind of a reader of conspiracy theories, but not a believer in them. You know, I find a lot of that stuff is just when you look, it doesn't exist in the real world. And what I found kind of intriguing about this is it, it, this appears to be at least someone's attempt to make uh, possibly to make a, their own secret society and secret sure. group. And, you know, compared to the Kennedy assassination, which was a huge thing. And and I've talked about the, how hard it is to keep a secret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why we're both pretty skeptical about some of the conspiracy ideas oh, yeah. around the Kennedy assassination. But something like this, it might be just a small group of super elite or super smart programmers who want to meet other programmers. Maybe they want to Could start be. a company or yeah. whatever. You know, something about them they think they're special or or, yeah. or want to attract these talented people. And I think you could keep that secret in a you know even if it's in a big company like Microsoft right. or Google. Right. If it's just a small team that's doing this, yeah. they can keep it secret at least for a while, yeah. maybe forever. But I think the bigger the secret, the harder it is to oh, keep. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So this isn't that big of a secret. Right. I mean, you know, we could try to find some of our clever friends and come up with something like this. Yeah. I mean, anyone oh, I know, have, could do something I have like thought that. of doing stuff like this, you know, but more, more from the perspective of, like, you know, just getting some – people intrigued that there might be a mystery you know what i mean i i don't know if that's nice or not or whatever but it always seemed like a a kind of fun idea you know and i think that's more what robert anton wilson and his buddy uh robert shea yeah what and, they were doing and my guess would be it's much easier to produce the puzzle than to solve it yeah because the guys producing it know what the answer is yeah, ahead of time absolutely and then they put the clues out yeah. to lead to the answer. That, Find, solving it yourself, because I think one of the clues was something about Caesar Octavian or yeah. one of the Caesars, and it was like the four Caesar. Yeah. So they used the four as a clue. Oh, no, I think that was a there was a type of cryptography that was based on yeah. that name or yeah. something. There's something about the name of that Caesar. That well, that's, that's one was, of the reasons, yeah, in, in doing something like this on the Internet, the Internet can sustain something like this. That's one of the reasons, although I find these movies fun, but the National Treasure movies, mm, yeah. the reason those are so goofy to me is because the idea is is like the the founding fathers i guess in the first one particularly set up this whole series of clues and puzzles and everything and the thing that i thought was so funny 
is any one of those, any one of those clues along the trail that the guy had been following um, could have been so easily lost. Like a fire could have burned down, like, you know, one of the buildings yeah. that one of the clues was in. And, and when that's done, at the rest of it, you're, really you're, you're done. There's yeah. no more clues. You, you can't, can't get, get to, to the next one after that. Yeah. yeah. You can't get to the next one. So I always thought it was rather convenient that everything was still extant and they knew like, Oh, people are going to preserve the, the constitution or oh, the Liberty, Liberty bell is not going to be melted down. Or the down. secret yeah. president's notebook. Or the secret. <laughs> they had to go to the library of Congress. It was hidden behind some books. Yep. Yep. It wasn't in the White House right. near the president. It was right. in the Library of Congress hidden behind some books. <laughs> and that's where a lot of, like, a lot of that stuff, like, that's kind of similar to the Da Vinci Code, kind of had the same sort of thing where, you know, all these these clues had been preserved. Um, I guess the Da Vinci Code was a little different because it proposed that, um, that the uh, Priory of Scion, which was a secret group, uh, had continued unbroken from, you know, the time of Christ to modern <laughs> times, which, you know, that's also, you know, once again, particularly if you have very few members, uh, the odds of that, you know, and it was supposed to be too. The other thing I thought was kind of interesting is it was supposed to be a hereditary to a certain extent. Um, I'm talking about the Dan Brown. Yeah. Priory uh, of Zion, hereditary which, thing, which he borrowed from somebody else. You know, he referenced somebody else on that. Um, what if, you know, you're a kid who's like, I don't want to be Priory of Scion. I want to be a jeweler or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, that's where it breaks down. You know, that person's like not going to consider it important enough. Well, maybe you can grab a nephew who might be. Yeah, that might. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So that was, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. It's, it, uh, I don't think I've heard anything quite like this before. That's what really intrigued me about it. Well, it reminded me, there was a few things that reminded me of in the fictional world. I named some of them, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. There's a book called um, Damon. It's a science fiction book uh, where uh, a Bill Gates type game designer guy think, it's been a while since I've read it, he dies and he kind of unleashes this algorithm that, you know, making a complex idea very simple, the algorithm. And one of the things I like that he he did in the book, I think the guy's name is, the last name is Sanchez. Um, the author. The author's name is Sanchez. <clears throat> yes, pardon me. One of the things he did that I thought I appreciated is he never made the algorithm gain consciousness, which is the really easy out in science fiction. Um, but what instead it does is, is this guy was so brilliant that he made it so this algorithm kind of seeks out people to recruit in this world-changing organization oh. after his death. You know, he oh. has these things planned, mm-hmm. you know, you know, kind of far-fetched in implementation in the real world. Kind of reminded me a little bit of that. It reminded me a little bit of another science fiction book, Ready Player One, which is almost just long story short, it's like a science fiction kind of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Really fun read, but it's about like solving puzzles to get to this, basically this inheritance of an, another so the idea incredibly is rich new. person. I mean, this idea has been around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's interesting to, to see it to in the real world, you know, or see well, somebody the cyber tried to, world. in the cyber world, <laughs> somebody trying to implement something. But, and, yeah, yeah, you know, they talked about some of the clues in the story. We'll, we'll link it. But, yeah, I mean, there's some clever associations you have to make, like that yeah. That Caesar. You had to know what that meant. Right, right. So, um, yeah, which was a substitution code. That's why the guy, the first guy thought it was going to be so easy. Um, but, yeah, so anybody really smart, if you get in with these guys, just let us know what the secret is. <laughs> uh, I don't know, anything, anything else you want to cover? 
You know, I thought of something that I hadn't mentioned to you. Sure. And uh, we can... But th- I thought you would find this really intriguing. Uh, You're really is, an alien? There is... Well, that's later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the scientists were doing brain scans yeah. uh, for of sociopaths. Yeah. And uh, as I think a reference... He, or for some reason, he had brain scans of a bunch of people in his family, but they were all going to remain anonymous. But right. he just wanted like a basis. And when I, th- I forget the number, something like 10 scans. And one of the scans was very, it looked like the sociopath scan. <laughs> and he knew it was someone in his family, right? Someone right. close to him. And this is a researcher who researches brain anatomy or whatever right. of sociopaths. And he was intrigued, and he I think he kind of broke the rules, and he figured out who it was, and yeah. it was himself. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to just kind of spring this on you. It just yeah. came to mind. But uh, then he, you know, and then he, he started an- analyzing himself, and he realized to some extent he was a sociopath. Wow. But because his reasoning was that because he had such a good family— he learned to operate within the bounds of normal society. Yeah. yeah. But um, he did admit to himself things like he was uber competitive. Right. To the point of berating people and stuff. Yeah. And he, he looked back and he talked about these behaviors he saw himself that were kind of toward the sociopathic range. But he was a normal person who was married. I think he, he, was, he was an older gentleman, had grandchildren and everything. So, um I know you like sociopath stuff, and I well, wish I yeah. thought of this earlier. Well, you know, in, in, the thing that has to be understood about any of these sort of things is, is they oftentimes fall on a spectrum. So maybe he wasn't – he had some sociopathic tendencies, um, but maybe he wasn't, you know, uh, heavily into the, the to that side of the sociopathic, you know – like yeah. Silence of the Lambs, sociopathic spectrum. Yeah. And maybe we can talk about this more in our next yeah. podcast because this is at the end. Right. But I found it really fascinating. He really approached it as a scientist. Yeah. And then when he discovered him, it was him, you know, I think he was somewhat shocked or, yeah. or you know, there was some surprise Let's see there. see if you can dig that up and link that story. Yeah, I think that'd be yeah cool. we'll, we'll link that. Maybe we can talk more about it next time. Yeah. But, you know, I guess, and you know, I'm sure you're aware, a lot of us are aware, there are brain structures or when they do the scans they can identify the regions of the brain that are active in a right. sociopath that aren't as active in a more normal person right and a sociopath being someone who just doesn't have empathy or sympathy as yeah. much with other people right and you know a lot of sociopaths become ruthless people climbing the corporate ladder politics or in extreme cases become murderers that yeah. sort of thing right yeah that yeah right? that, anyway, yeah that's you know true. more about it than and I, I and i do know that uh, i think there was a british um psychiatrist who or psychologist i think he was a psychiatrist who's done a big study on um sociopaths in corporate structures mm-hmm. and it, you know and uh, uh don't know if he covered politics but i think he hypothesized about politics but it's no surprise that are there are a lot of sociopaths in the uh upper echelons of um corporations now here's the thing some people might say well you know if that's what it takes to run a company here's the problem they're also detrimental to the health of corporations because they don't care what is done they don't care what's done and it's all self-focused yeah so if you're if you are a shareholder in a corporation you probably don't want a sociopath in charge they might briefly take the company you know to the to the heights of what they're able to do but they might do that at 
by violating the law or right. you know or you know just doing short term high profit yeah. sort of and maneuvers. luckily there are structural things in corporations and mm. in the law yeah. i mean you know yeah if they break the law, they're going to get caught, yeah. most likely at some point, right? Hopefully. Or if they have a, a board of directors, <laughs> if they're not all sociopaths, yeah. they might say, well, we may not want to right, do right. this thing you're proposing. Right. But I think you could still be a sociopath, climb the ladder. I mean, this is total conjecture. Yeah. Climb the ladder and just, you know, because sociopaths are very self-focused and, right. and they don't worry about others as much. And they have no compunction about lying a lot of times. Right. So they can rise up. But I think they're, depending on the situation, yeah. somewhat limited Hopefully, yeah. you know, especially if it's a very powerful corporation, what they can do. Right. But it's more of an individual path. And, and sociopaths are willing to lie more and that sort of thing. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. To, it's, to get yeah, ahead. Yeah. They don't have the they don't have the guilt. Guilt is not a very strong motivator in there. Right. Yeah. Right. So anyway, we'll link that. And sorry to throw that in at the last minute, but I thought it was kind of an interesting yeah. thing. To, no, that to is mention. interesting. And uh, other than that, I think I think. That's it. it. We're, uh, I think we're going to produce these a little bit. We have a way of doing them that's a little bit easier for us both to get to the location and record it. So we'll probably have one out fairly soon. Um, Maybe not before Christmas, though. No, it's a busy time. Maybe yeah. right after. Yeah, Maybe hopefully we'll... hopefully right after. Yeah. So Merry Christmas, everyone, then, yes. in that case. Happy, happy New Year. Ho- happy holidays. And we will talk to you soon. Yes. Okay. So that's the end of Episode 22 for Rain City Bunker. Good night.